1: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30
2: a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: Dobri Vecher and welcome to the Bohemian Podcast with Pete Coleman and Travis Doe. Dobry Vetcher and welcome to the Bohemian Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Coleman.
1: And I'm Travis Dow from the History of Alchemy Podcast.
0: Spring is in the air here in Prague. Trees are blooming, the birds are singing, and life begins anew here in the Czech Republic. It is also the Easter season that began with Lent and continues through Easter Sunday and Easter Monday. We say Easter in Czech here as Veliknátsé. After decades of religious oppression under communist rule, many Czechs have fallen out of step with the religious ceremonial rites of the Easter holiday, yet somehow still acknowledging the high point of the Christian calendar among those that are devoted followers. This mixture of devout religious communities, the agnostic, the atheist, Jew and Gentile alike, is an interesting potpourri of viewpoints to say the least. The Jewish Passover is also a strong connection to this area as well. The Czech Jewish community will observe Passover as it coincides with the Easter celebrations. This evening on the Bohemian Podcast, we dive on into the Christian, Jewish, pagan, and other cultural traditions that mark this rite of spring in the Czech Republic. So Travis, to kick things off, let's take a look at some of the unique Czech traditions that many people celebrate regardless of religious preferences.
1: Yeah, the, the Czech lands are obviously very old and have been settled for a very long time. Um and so a lot of the Easter traditions kind of have a flavor from the pre-Judeo Christian faiths, let's say, basically what we'd call pagans. So th- these these really old, I mean, we're we're talking thousands of years old um settlements still have some flavor and influence in the way Easter is celebrated today. So, so see Travis, we're talking about this like the spring equinox you know, that the
0: pagans probably looked into. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, so exactly. So they, they centered their world on nature and and belief systems that kind of morphed into traditions or kind of got um, absorbed into the, the Catholics that came through. And But a lot of that's still seen today. For instance, the which is kind of a really fun thing, the weeping willow or pussy willow, and then the word whip in Czech is pomlaska. So these... They take these live kind of uh, weeping willow twigs, and well, they're still kind of
0: green, so they got a lot of flexibility. Like I've done it where you
1: just cut them off the tree, basically, and then which which there's similar traditions in because I grew up in Bavaria, and it's like you it's really really similar where they would actually put these in water, and then they you know when they bloom, it kind of symbolizes spring and rebirth and all that thing. It's the cyclical, you know, like you said, the equinox thing. But in this case, um, they would make whips out of them. So you basically take five, bran- five branches or, or twigs, or or seven or three, depending on what kind of whip you want to make. And it can be huge; it could be like four feet long. It can be two feet long, whatever. But you braid them together out of these uh, weeping willow twigs. And so for centuries, there's this tradition that that still goes on today, that basically boys. And with their fathers, I would, I, I, you know, I wouldn't just say it's it's young men, but well, teenagers but as well. Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically boys, but often their fathers or fa- grandfathers go along, and kind of go caroling, where they go door to door, symbolically whip the girls on the legs. Okay, and this is so, all going on Easter wait, Monday. Let, let that sink in. Yeah, <laughs> these guys have made homemade whips, and they're going door to door. And when the girls open the door, they whip. They get whipped. So they whip the women. The way it works today is that basically they whip the girls, and then the girls would give them a shot of alcohol in return. Beckaroftka.
0: Mm-hmm. It, it,
1: it, be be it could be Bekarovka, It could, be, uh, it could be, I, I've heard Slivovitz. Right. Uh, herbal, uh, herbal, uh, fermented. Yeah, alcohol but like things like schnapps, and you know, yeah. that's like Slivovitz It's like it can be eighty percent alcohol. It'll clear your sinuses. So yeah, and and um, in in Moravia, the girls get revenge. You know, you kind of lose track of time because you, you've had countless shots. You, shots. You've gone through the whole village, and after noon, then it's time to sober up. And if if you lose track of time and you knock on some poor girl's door, but it's afternoon, then the girl gets to splash water on your face instead of give you a shot. So there's some some uh, regional kind of <laughs> var- variance in the tradition, but for, historically speaking. What this comes from is in the past, these pomlaska, these whips, were used by the farmer's wives to whip the livestock, and also everybody in the household, including men and children, uh, you know, to kind of keep them alive, keep them in line. So there wouldn't be a, you know, it wouldn't be a Czech Easter without these whips. It, it wouldn't basically. be, and what's interesting is
0: that any Czech worth their salt will go make their own whips uh, during the spring season. Yet you do see some things in, in, in some department stores or some... Uh, uh, some other uh, uh, other stores that have pre-made whips already they, that sell them, and it, it is a for for an expat coming over here to hear of this tradition and see it. You take a second, you take almost a, a a spit take. You know, you said, "I'm sorry, what? You whip who?"
1: Yeah, <laughs> like I remember. How is that Easter
0: related? I was
1: a, yeah, I was I was an English teacher when I first moved here, and then Easter came around, and so I'm like, "All right," so I'm asking my student about Easter, and man, this kid was. Like twelve or something, and I'm like, "So what'd you do for Easter?" And he told, he tells me, he's like, "I went with my dad and my grandma. We made whips out of, and he had to look up the word, and he's like, weeping willows, and we braided like seven or five things together into these whips, and then all three of us went door to door, whipping all these girls, and they would gave us, and he had to look up the word, shots of (laughs) slivovitz and becherovka, and so that you know they're mixing all these drinks." And I'm like, wait, how old are you? And wait a minute, are you? Sh-
0: I, you're probably expecting like, you know, I think the Easter Bunny was going to bring. Yeah, me some exactly.
1: Eggs. Easter Bunny, or you know, or even like in like in Germany, you pick the weeping the weeping willow, but then you put them in a in a vase of water to like, you know, they grow over the coming weeks. And yeah, like you know, I I remember I remember it, like this was spun because it's clearly a pagan tradition. But when I was a kid, this was spun uh, like saying the death of Christ and the resurrection, whereas the old pagan tradition was you know. Everything dies in the winter, and then now spring, everything is being reborn. So it's really easy to take that as saying it's the resurrection of Christ. Well, well, do you think there's also a possibility
0: that the church absorbed this pagan ritual to make a connection to self flagellation of of Christ? You know, maybe because you do see that in Easter tradition, especially in countries like Italy.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure about that part. I think it was just something that um, the early Catholics can kind of latch onto and say, look, what we believe in is not so different. So, you know, we also believe in rebirth, you know, yeah. of the Messiah, not of everything or, you know, whatever. But but there's some, something they could latch on to and, and then kind of spin it in a way that's saying, look, what we believe isn't so different after all. You know, it's it's a kind of a common method throughout the world. but But here, there's a certain flavor of it. It is a
0: very... Odd tradition, but one that seems a little bit more closer to home that I think a lot of Americans can can relate to is the decorating of Easter eggs, which is uh, a, a Easter tradition, and it's something that that Czechs take very very seriously here in a lot of respects.
1: That's uh, actually hard to overstate; like they take it very seriously. Yeah, uh, you don't mess around with carving that. <laughs> in the eggs. Have you seen that? Oh yeah, Where they, like yeah yeah absolutely. Carving the, the hand
0: painted or otherwise decorated eggs. Is the most recognizable symbol of this of, of a Czech Easter. The girls kind of decorate the Easter eggs to give give to the boys on Easter Monday, and there are many other Easter egg decorating techniques, like you said, Travis, that that elaborate uh, to one's um, level of of skill set, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Uh, carving into things, you know, decorating with uh, uh, various types of, of colored ink and not just using your your basic sort of uh, vinegar and crayon that a lot of us Americans use when when we paint uh, Easter yeah, eggs. Yeah, I
1: remember again from from Germany that they would use uh, beeswax because you paint one part, you cover part of the egg in beeswax. Maybe this is in America too. I don't know. I've never painted Easter eggs in America, but um, so there you go. But so you cover part of the eggs in beeswax then you color it and then you take off the beeswax and then that's still white and then you could so that's how you can get like really fine detail in the like it, there's a lot of really interesting techniques there
0: there are and you'll see you know straw used watercolors onion peels uh besides the other uh type of things of stickers you might want to put on them but that that would be probably for the for the rookies out there i mean <laughs> you don't use stickers if you're one of these uh you know expert egg makers uh the mo- most common designs that are probably geometrical patterns that you might see like on on some type of cheesecloth or this type of uh, you know tablecloth type of thing, uh, you also see flowers, leaves, sometimes snowflake patterns, uh, range in different colors. You, there really is no limitation on
1: that. Also, if you want, if you want an inside, uh, if you want an insider tip, you know how you can tell a tur- uh, egg made for tourists by those made by the locals for the locals. No, how how can tell? No blue. Why? Blue back in the day would remind them of death. What? So it's like wow. you know okay. someone going white and blue. There's no blue on the really traditional Easter eggs. They screwed around that. Yep, no blue. Interesting. Or at least, you know, there might be a touch of blue. Like if you're painting flowers, there might be a touch of blue, but you won't see blue flowers or you won't see an egg where the main color is blue.
0: Well, it, yeah. it, this stuff is serious business, as we said. Dead serious. There are contests, serious. contests held throughout all, all of Czechia, and, uh, you know, include, including here in Prague, there's some, some big egg painting contests that uh, if you time it right, you might be able to see some of that if You come during the, East, the Easter holiday season. Uh, Travis, before the days of Easter Sunday, um, there, there are different types of, of ways to celebrate things from this part of Bohemia to northern Moravia region that, that borders actually the southern part of Poland. Children finish school on Ugly Wednesday during that Easter week, all right, which is, is a good idea because they need to spend some time thinking about uh, making uh, what they're going to do for Easter. And in the evening uh, which of Green Thursday, every boy in the village equips himself with a wooden rattle. You're, you're making whips and you're also making getting the wooden rattle together, which is mainly used uh, in the village to shake really, really hard, to be uh, really hurt as you're walking through the streets. All right, so that's Wednesday and Thursday. The meaning of the rattling is to chase away Judas. The same procedure repeat, repeats on Good Friday and uh, one more time on White Saturday. All right, that's Biela Soboda. When the boys don't, they don't only walk through the village, but stop at every house in the morning to rattle until they're given money. So think of it like a, an Easter trick-or-treat, if you will. Then they will kind of uh, get the money and kind of split it up
1: among yeah, themselves kind of as, it up. as
0: hordes of boys with rattles. So not a very quiet Sort of <laughs> first, first Easter of all, week, right? Poor Judas. Yeah. <laughs> this kind of gives you an idea about that. There's something always going on now. Travis, this brings us to pretty much the pinnacle of the holiday season for the Christians, which are, is Easter Sunday.
1: Uh, Easter Sunday is a preparation day for Easter Monday. So basically, girls paint, color, decorate eggs if they haven't already done so. Boys prepare their pomlaskas. Yeah. So again, this tradition is is kind of a part of the Roma. Roman Catholic religion, but its root roots are, as we said earlier, kind of much deeper, reaching down to the pagan era of Czech history. So as an example, some of the, the earlier traditions that are still kind of around is called Vinaseni Morani or Vinaseni Smrtki, which is basically carrying out the dead, So, which is symbolized by a straw doll, a straw doll dressed in rags and with an ugly face, which is taken out of the village and thrown into the running water kind of like a voodoo that's weird yeah yeah so um basically you know they throw it into a nearby river or creek or something like that the doll must float away from the village so they go downstream right the whole ceremony organized on the sunday preceding easter monday also passion sunday and also called death sunday in czech smrtna neděle. Yeah, so when they do this they have these really like traditional national costumes which which you still sometimes see around today. And it's normally done by the children or young people and the whole the whole thing is accompanied by songs celebrating the oncoming spring and awakening nature, awakening of nature. It is still to be seen especially in Moravia, so you know basically the eastern part of the Czech Republic. And also sometimes as a show for visitors. Like I've I've seen in fact, my first weekend in Prague, I but back in 2000, I saw this happening. So pretty interesting stuff.
0: Now, this it, not to get this confused with what happens a little later on when we get into the month of May, uh, where we do the burning of the witches and that that tradition. This sounds a little bit like we're we're you know the Czechs are actually tossing somebody into, into, the, into the water to see if they float, if they're a witch or not. Uh, yeah, no, I can, I can see the semblance there, but that's not quite what we're talking about just yet. Uh, that'll come in another podcast when we talk about uh, uh, the, the burning of the witches, which, which will be come up on May 1st, on May Day. An interesting tradition in and of itself. <laughs> Not to digress, but in the so, Czech...
1: Sounds like a lot of fun times. Yeah, yeah. there's
0: it's a lot of dark stuff over here. But, you know, it's it's done with a, with a smile on her face, and it's a way to usher in the revival of, of spring and getting rid of winter. In the Czech Republic, the symbolic of, of death and winter occurs on Black Sunday, 14 days before Easter Sunday. In the Bohemian Forest, uh, among the, the Chodes, there's a, a customary a, a customary tradition to prepare a dummy named, named hey. Morena who represents the old winter or death. This figure is fashioned in straws and sticks, like we discussed before, dressed in old white clothes to symbolize the snow, and decorated finally with old rags and a necklace of eggs. That person will represent winter, of course, and and or death. The villagers carry Morena uh, through the fields, while the younger marchers in costumes sing the funeral march, and their parade culminates at the river that Travis had talked about before, swinging Morena from side to side and singing these words. We are carrying out the winter and bringing up the springtime. At this point, the girls remove her clothes. Marina is beaten into pieces. <laughs> wow, oh, her, this is rough. Her her straws burn, scattered into the winds, and, or drowned into the river. As she is thrown into the river and floats away, the people shout, "Death is floating down the river, and spring will soon be here." Uh, this is not quite Disney World, folks. I, I, I'm I'm going to tell you that. It's, so, is this it's is a this lot like of dark a, stuff? Is
1: this an allusion to? <laughs> Human sacrifice that happened like two thousand years ago. Is this like a reenactment? You know, it's it's possible because it really makes you wonder.
0: The, the Czechs aren't mean people, folks. I mean, they're re- they really aren't. You know, I've really got in, You know, to seen that. But this is this is a darker side. But I, I think they're putting a, a kind of a, a lighter spin on it, saying that they're taking out winter and putting in spring. Still, it really it rings kind of off onto the onto the ear of uh, uh, an expat. Uh, this ceremony is supposed to show that every everything dies eventually or is dying and must be done away with to make way for the spring or for the new. After the dead of winter is thrown into the stream, which is carried by the marchers by hand, then they are represented by small fir trees. Now, you might see this, Travis, as you're going through the towns throughout most of the spring heading into the summer. There's tiny little, looks like little Christmas trees, yeah. little fir trees that are put on top of maypoles or sometimes buildings, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're decorated with really big colors of eggshells, red apples, chains of flowers or bright ribbons. They're really miniature Christmas trees in a lot of respects. Uh, they form groups that, that go out caroling and people go from house to house announcing that they're coming. And then spring is here and there's a song in their voice. And one such song goes like this. St. George, the saint of spring, will soon be here to unlock the earth with his keys. Our trees will soon grow like the ones that we are holding. And uh, as they're doing this, uh, they have all the ingredients for their holiday cakes and other gifts. And uh, this is a pretty festive occasion, of course, to usher in spring. And this can be seen in Velasco, in the Horosco region, or the Blatna regions in the Czech Republic. Uh,
1: In in the Bidsov region, for instance, they used to put flax behind the window in the belief that no one would die in the house during the entire year if they did. So there's some uh, rituals here like kind of like for protection almost or something. So right. um, yeah, well, pretty interesting stuff.
0: You know, the Easter tradition and the Passover tradition has a lot of people here, as we said it before in the beginning of the podcast, kind of a mixed potpourri of folks because there's a lot of history here that's negative and positive of, of these religions. And, and uh, because of that, you're gonna have some Czechs that are agnostic, you're gonna have some Czechs that are atheist, you can have some that are that are fervently uh practice their religion because they were they were oppressed for so many years and decades of, of the Nazi regime and communist regime that they found a way to to never lose their faith as Roman Catholics or as Hussites or as other Protestants. And this also includes centuries of oppression for the Jewish people. So we actually did get to talk to an expat from Vermont uh, by the name of Chaz Kellner who talked us a little bit about what it was like to be an expat American that's kind of taking in what uh, the Passover is like here for the Jewish community in the city of Prague. So I'm joined tonight by Chaz Kellner from Vermont in the United States, from Burlington area of Vermont. We are talking about the connection to the Jewish community, and from an expat sort of viewpoint, Chaz, uh, this is probably an interesting sort of dynamic, because Prague has a very rich Jewish tradition, and as we're talking about Passover tonight, what's the first
2: thing that kind of comes to your mind as being an expat here? I've met some of the Reformed Jews here who have been uh, kicked out of the Jewish community in Prague, uh, which is run by the Orthodox, um, and my family has historical um, roots with Reformed Jews in Czech Republic but I don't have any connection to the Jewish community here in Prague. Do you get an idea that there are several different camps of Judaism here that that exist? And also, do you feel
0: that there's a lot of maybe young people here that are trying to, to find their way for the first time in the Jewish community because of the history that we see in the Czech Republic of uh, oppression, either from the Nazi regime or from or from the communists for 60-plus years?
2: Um, yes to both. Uh, and the Jewish community is is fragmented here, Um there's a, a Jewish in-joke where uh, two Jews are shipwrecked on a desert island and and they eat, uh, and when they're found ten years later, they've established three synagogues, one for each and one that neither of them would be caught dead in. <laughs> That's kind of what's, what's happened here to a certain degree. Um, the Orthodox kicked the Reformed Jews out of the Jewish community in, in Prague, dropping the community from 1,800 people to 1,500 people. And in terms of people kind of finding their way, um, I have uh, a number of friends here who have uh, Jewish ancestors, but whose, whose parents were not, uh, di- weren't practicing Jews uh, for whatever reason, um, who have kind of rediscovered Judaism. Can you tell us a little bit about, about what Passover is like for those of us that are not, not of the Jewish faith? Passover has two parts. There's the Seder service, which is a uh, dinner, um, and then there's the uh, eight-day period of, of not eating bread. A couple
0: final thoughts, Chaz, uh, on this. Can you tell us a little bit about the, the, the Seder dinner itself and what we're, what we're looking at is how, what it encompasses and, and the food that's served and, and maybe some of the reasons for, for the ceremony?
2: There's a number of ritual foods, and you, you start out the meal uh, reading from a Haggadah, which has uh, the story of Exodus, Um, As well as a number of prayers um, and certain ritual questions that uh, you have to ask, and you eat certain ritual foods at different times at the beginning of the ceremony, followed by a proper dinner. The ceremonial foods include um, bitter herb, uh, which is often horseradish, it includes chrositz, which is um, something sweet. Uh, Mediterranean Jews often use dates and almonds. Um, while Ashkenazi Jews use uh, apples and walnuts with red wine. Very delicious. Often a, a hard-boiled egg is included, lamb shank, uh, and parsley, which you dip in, in salt water.
0: Well, Chaz, thank you so much for giving us some enlightenment on this and, and, uh, and uh, possibly what some expats are looking for, um, either trying to find, find some connection to the Jewish community or uh, just trying to kind of uh, uh, just know that it, it exists. Right? So thanks so much. So uh, talking to Chaz, I think he represents not only the expat, but I think a, the, the Czech Jew that, that is young, let's say the, under the age of 30, that may have kind of not been exposed to, the, to Judaism because their parents weren't practicing. And these are for obvious reasons. I, we talked about this with communism, the oppression of 60 plus years. Uh, of communism uh, made, you know, really kind of damaged a lot of people here of all different types of faiths. Travis, you know, the Jewish community, we, we've done a couple shows on the Jewish community here on the Bohemian podcast, very rich traditions here in Prague, but, you know, it's also a, a dynamic group here because you have Orthodox Jews, you have conservative Jews, you have Reformed Jews. Uh, not all the time do they are all, always on the same page, and there are some kind of splintered groups here as well, but I think one thing they do celebrate and have this in common is the importance of Passover and the importance of community. And I think that's something that that translates into other communities, such as the Catholics and the Protestants.
1: Yeah, the the Protestant services, just like anywhere anywhere in the world where they have Protestant services, there there's obviously a wide range. But the traditional Czech ones, if you imagine like Hussites, Hussites are. Is a very old uh, Protestant denomination, and so it has a lot in common with, like, let's say, Lutherans, and both of those kind of do. Um, I wouldn't call it a mass, but it's still a sermon. Like, there might be one on on Good Friday, um, but definitely Easter Sunday, they'll have a special sermon. Then you have the whole spectrum. It, like, even in Prague, there's many English English speaking. Protestant churches, like, you know, non-denominational to, to Baptist, to anything else, and and they'll have their own flavor, which is probably very similar to um, what you'd get in, in the States. There's a Baptist church on UGOS uh, it's, Portebrad. It's like mo- the most interesting Baptist church I've ever seen. So they have, um, most of the congregation are Americans, and a large percentage of them are from the South. And, but... There's also a lot of Africans, not like African Americans but Africans. So most of the choir is African, so it's kind of different. And then the pastor, at least last time I visited there, was Welsh. so like this really soft spoken thing, but then the crowd is still like they're from georgia or or whatever. so yeah. it, it's a it's a nice mix. so you actually you might get a little taste of home if you visit one of those places, but well,
0: in, in other options there there's uh, a pretty big Vietnamese community here in in Prague. And they had, there's some Vietnamese um, uh, Christian churches as well, so um, it, it is a it is a mixed bag. You're going to find a lot of options here, and that kind of takes us to the thought of uh, of how the Catholics celebrate here during the Easter time, as the pinnacle of the entire Catholic calendar. Easter probably tops, it definitely tops the list of that um, more so than any other observance. And if you're an English speaker, there's uh, of course St. Thomas.
1: St. Thomas doesn't just have English; they have Italian and Spanish and. And I think German and and all kinds of, it's, it's, they're all, you know, Catholic masses. But insider tip, go to the Italian one. Okay, why is that? That's the fun one. The Italian one is like the lively crowd. They're all the, oh man, it's kind of like a, kind of like you want to, you want to, you want to go to a Baptist church in English. If you're Catholic, go to the Italian one. It's kind of similar to that. Okay. They're a lively bunch.
0: So, so Travis, uh, I've been to St. Thomas before, and you've been there before yeah. for a service, and and so uh, one of the guys over there that does English Mass is he's got he's got a Boston accent, is it? Yeah, he, from Boston? He, did, he did
1: like my marriage counseling, for instance. Yeah. Father
0: William. Father William. Yeah. Okay, good guy. He's a good guy.
1: Yeah, um, and and so uh, you know, it's it's a Not, very uh, sorry. I should I shouldn't say marriage counseling. I should say pre-marriage. <laughs> uh, what's it called? <laughs> The preparation class. The preparation class. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa,
0: whoa, whoa!
1: I'm not there yet. <laughs> not yet. That's next year. <laughs> After this show,
0: yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. my my divorce. No, that's scheduled for next month. Um, that was Father Bob. Yeah, um, but yeah, as you know, the, you, have, you have you have different uh, uh, priests involved with doing the different language masses uh, throughout uh, either Saturday or Sunday, most likely. And, uh, Travis, you said the Italian, the Italian mass was probably a, a yeah, high list. there's
1: two other priests that, that I really like there. There's the, the, that one guy, he does Italian, Spanish. He also speaks English, and I think it might be the same guy that does German. He, he's really good, and he just speaks all these languages. I mean, they also, Father William and that, uh, I forget his name, um, but he they both speak Czech. Um, then there's a third guy that when he's in town, he's, he's incredibly amazing, but he's never in town because he's always off in Africa doing some mission work. And like, he's, re- he, I, I really like him a lot. And I, I think he's also, um, he might take over the Spanish ones when he's in town. So you, you, you kind of got to get lucky. He's, he's got a, t- a million stories if you can, you know, pull him aside and and it, like, if you just walk into Saint Thomas, you'll see pictures of him, like full of these African kids, and you know he's often s- somewhere in Africa. So he's he's probably in town like twice a year or something. But we we go to Saint Salvatore right by the Charles Bridge, which is the, the one of the first Baroque churches
0: uh, done here in Prague. And uh, but in was, Czech, yeah, it's, it's right now na- it's right next to the uh, old Jesuit College. Uh, in Old Town, you might as well just
1: go in Latin then. Cause... Well,
0: yeah, it's, it's for, for me absolutely. So we go with the kids, and of course they know they know Czech. I'm sitting there, I'm trying to time it out to know exactly what's happening. Uh, I do a little bit of research before I go, <laughs> just so I know what the what the mass is about. Uh, but uh, yeah, I try to pick up a little bit of Czech there. But it's it, it, it is uh, an interesting city. There are a lot of options from Our Lady to the uh, Our Lady of the Snows to. Um, you know, to you know even even St. Vitus Cathedral has there's, a there's very also, beautiful service.
1: Yeah, there, well, there's also um, there's Romanian Orthodox, there's Russian Orthodox. So if you want to see what you know, let's say a, a Russian Orthodox Easter service sounds like, that's also an option. You know, and they're they're very welcoming. Anybody can go there.
0: Now, not not to not to leave out uh, the Jewish community, but uh, there's also uh, Rabbi Ron Hofberg teaches a class over at Charles University. Actually, he did. He taught a class at Charles University on on Jewish tradition and history in Bohemia last year. He uh, was also very active in the Prague community. He's an American expat from New Jersey. Uh, there, there's a lot of great uh, options here if you're an English-speaking only uh, traveler that's traveling their way through Prague. You're going to have some options if you're here on Easter, and uh, you're able to kind of really take in the full the experience of, of ushering in a spring here in the Czech Republic. We hope you enjoyed the episode tonight on Easter traditions, the religious side, the pagan side, and, and everything in between. We uh, hope you uh, tune in next time for another Bohemican podcast. So until next time, have a good evening. Yep, thanks for listening. You have been listening to the Bohemican podcast with Pete Coleman and Travis Doe. Visit bohemican.com for more information on this episode, other episodes and much more information about history, traditions and culture in the Czech Republic. Find us on iTunes, subscribe and review and don't forget to rate us. We would love to hear from you. Send comments, ideas and corrections on our comments page on bohemican.com or get in touch via Facebook or Twitter. Tune in to our sister podcast, History of Alchemy, which is also on iTunes or on historyofalchemy.com.
1: Be a gift-giving giant this holiday season at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code GRATEFULAG23. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo
0: code GRATEFULAG23.